This is Peace Talks Radio, the radio series and podcast on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm producer Paul Ingalls, today with correspondent Senjan in Berlin. Our society is rife with conflict, arising from structural inequalities and systemic oppression. To affect social change we might want, it is important to understand what oppression is, how it arises, what it looks like, and how it lives in all of us. Today's program is about how a theater modality called Theater of the Oppressed works to raise awareness about the mechanisms of oppression that exist in societies and empowers both performers and audience members, too, to take concrete steps toward social change. Senjan interviews Barbara Santos and Thiel Bauman from Karinga, the Theater of the Oppressed organization in Berlin, on how this theater modality can be leveraged to activate citizen participation. She also speaks with four participants from a recent intensive course in Theater of the Oppressed. Finally, you'll enjoy an immersive taster from a live Theater of the Oppressed production. Imagine going out on Saturday evening to see a play at the theater. You scan your ticket at the door. Maybe you're with a friend, your spouse, or your kids. Or maybe you're just having a solo night out. You find your seats, say a brief hello to the people sitting next to you, and prepare to enjoy a night of art and culture. The curtains rise, the scene is set, the performers are in their places, and you sit back and relax, ready to take the story in. The play seems to be something about conflict, one group of people struggling against another group. Some tactics are used against each other, power dynamics between the characters unfold, and some scales are tipped along the way. And then, maybe someone important dies, and this is a turning point in the story. As you're watching the story unfold, something is happening inside of you, some kind of sense-making. You're trying to figure out what the story is really about. There's some metaphorical stuff happening on stage, you're sure of that. But what do the metaphors mean exactly? You think you might know what that prop that the main character is using represents, and maybe why that song keeps coming back across different scenes. You're not sure if you're the only one who's thinking this. Your eyebrows furrow as you try a little too hard to figure it out. Then, the lights black out, the curtains drop, and now everyone is clapping. Some are shouting their praise to the cast, throwing flowers onto the stage. The performers line up, join hands, and bow fervently to the audience who are now rising for a standing ovation. You look around. You're one of the only ones still sitting. Reluctantly, you also rise and join the ocean of applause. It would seem unappreciative to do otherwise. But inside, you're still trying to work out just what this play was about. You have a few theories, but you're wondering if your interpretation is too obvious. And maybe you're missing some key information about the context that would make it much clearer. Yes, that might be it. You turn to your evening companion to check their reaction. They seem to also have enjoyed it. And you'd like to talk about it, but it's too noisy now, and people are starting to file out of the theater. As you pass some clusters of people on the way out, you hear snippets of their conversation. Aha! Someone said what you had been thinking about the play. So you're not alone in having understood it this way. But now, someone else said something you didn't quite understand. But it sounded fascinating. You wish you could linger a while and listen to more of this analysis without it being weird. You move on, 
Your companion now talks about something else, and your mind is pulled away from thinking about the play. The evening continues elsewhere, and the story remains somewhere in your system. Another piece of media you've consumed, soon to be overwritten by the next piece of content on your social media feed. But somewhere inside, you're still thinking about that story. The conflict it depicted, the power struggles, the turning points, why things got heated up. And you find yourself wondering, what if something about the story were different? Could there have been an alternate ending? Did that character really need to die? What might have happened if that really important prop just disappeared from the scene? What if someone came in at a crucial moment and convinced that really angry character to go take a walk instead of starting a street fight? What I've just described is exactly what happens in a participative theater modality called Theater of the Oppressed. And you're about to hear why Theater of the Oppressed is such a powerful way of leveraging citizen involvement to make social change. And you'll experience what it's like to be at a live Theater of the Oppressed production hosted by a Kuringa, a facilitator specialized in Theater of the Oppressed methods. Now, before we raise the curtains, Let's rewind the timeline by a few decades and do a two-finger pinch-out on Google Maps way out until we can see in our mind's eye the United States in North America and Brazil in South America. On April 1st, 1964, Brazil's Democratic Republic was overthrown by the Brazilian armed forces supported at the time by the United States in an effort to contain the allegation of Brazil's development towards communism. The military dictatorship, which at its height stifled freedom of speech and political opposition, adopted media censorship, torture, and exile of dissidents, lasted for 21 years until 1985. During this time of political domination, a white Brazilian playwright and social activist by the name of Augusto Boal drew attention to the censorship, oppression, and torture enacted by the military regime. He did this through an innovative format where audience members of a play could stop a performance and suggest different actions for the characters experiencing oppression, and the actors on stage would carry out their suggestions. This was the foundation for what would later be known as Theater of the Oppressed. The military junta saw Boao's activity and all such cultural and artistic activities as a threat to their grip on the country. In 1971, on his way home, Boao was kidnapped off the street, arrested, tortured and exiled, not to set foot again in Brazil until 15 years later in 1986, after the removal of the military governance and the restoration of Brazil to a democracy. We now snap to the summer of 2022 on the other side of the pond in Berlin, a city with its own history of struggle against authoritarianism, where a group of 35 social activists come together for a week-long intensive course in Theater of the Oppressed. The course is delivered by none other than one of Augusto Boao's long-standing collaborators from Brazil, Barbara Santos, and her colleague, Till Bauman. I interviewed Barbara, Till, and four participants from our course separately over the span of a month. Barbara is the coringa, or the facilitator, for the crucial component of audience participation during Theatre of the Oppressed Productions. Oh, 
first of all, I have to say that I am Brazilian. When people listen my English, just listen the voice of somebody that speaks English with Brazilian accent, because we are not seeing each other, but just listen, yeah? For 20 years, Barbara worked with Augusto Boal at the Center of Theater of the Oppressed in Rio de Janeiro, and following Boal's passing in 2009, has continued to develop her technique in Theater of the Oppressed in a feminist perspective. Barbara's organization, also called Coringa, offers annual qualification courses in the Theater of the Oppressed method, which I attended this summer. One of the outcomes of this course was a co-created performance, which we produced in four and a half days. That's right an entire production in less than a week, which you're about to experience in a moment. Something important, we are going to speak in English, but our play don't have much language, it's a body language. Employing mediums other than that of speech is a hallmark of theater of the oppressed. Instead, we use sounds, rhythms, images, and movements made from our bodies, something accessible to anyone, regardless of social status. And then you are going to see here, we, together, are going to play something, but what we're going to play is like a question for you. Some problems on stage, also as a, a provocation for us come together. We are not looking for the perfect answer, or the answer, but maybe some possibilities. We are presenting you on stage, and afterwards we invited you to find out alternatives, and maybe we can play together on stage, this alternative. It's easy. It's so easy. <laughs> Theater of the Oppressed is, at its core, a participative change-making tool for evolution toward more just societies. One of the foundations of this work is concrete and continuous social action from all who participate in it, be they performers or audience members. In today's age of polycrisis, I'm sure that every one of us listening to this program can identify an entire laundry list of actions that need to be taken for the betterment of society. But before we can wisely apply ourselves to action, let's first slow down and consider the topic of oppression. So oppression is something so present in our life. We understand oppression as the field of injustice, imbalance of power, things that provoke Relations that is based in advantage and disadvantage. So relation that's not based in the same level of rights, of accessibility. The way of our capitalism working is the way that is not offered for everybody the same possibilities. Our system asking a lot of people don't have. It's like a, it's, it's an illusion that don't have enough for everybody in our world. The illusion it's of like, scarcity. Exactly. It's about uh, who can assess and who cannot. And then oppression is the result of this inequality. Oppression is the result of this process of our relation with the world. When we go for the gender, for instance, we see, unfortunately, we already develop a lot, but we cannot guarantee the same rights for the differentification of genders in our life. Still, the privilege for the male, the white people, this such a kind of class position is still there. Yeah? We, we're not guarantee more equality. And this imbalance, this difference of power, difference of access, provoke injustice. And the injustice is the field of oppression. Theater pedagogue and social activist Till Bauman is deeply connected with communities in Latin America 
and became involved with Babada's work in Rio de Janeiro in the 90s. Till contributes to understanding oppression across different contexts and cultures. While often referred to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the basic human rights that are universal and that every human being should have the chance to realize, for me it is very much related to the realization or the non-realization, the violation of human rights. And of course, if your human rights are respected or not, depends also on the place you have in society and in the power structures of society. And I don't mean that this is only like a personal responsibility of somebody who wants or aims at violating human rights. This also happens. Some people have more the possibility to do this and some less, and this depends on their place in society, of course, and their position. But human rights violations are also very much rooted in structures, of course, no? in structural injustices, in um, structural disadvantages that a lot of social groups have in comparison to other no? Racism, for example, sexism, this is not only about personal behavior, it's also about social structure and it's also a systemic question. From what Barbara and Till are saying, something I wanted to understand was if oppression was always systemic or if there were situations where some people simply had more power than others. Barbara explains. It's a concretely one person has more power than another person in the group. But why this happened is systemic. This person, both of them, they are representing a social group. Behind them is not about them. It's about how the group that this person belongs is organized in the society. When we talk about gender, of course, if I have a black woman like me in front of a white man from the north of the world, for instance, yes, right, from European white man, the society going to see us in different position. Our access is different, but not because of him particularly. It's not because of me particularly, but because what we represent and how society is organizing in these two different groups. Yeah. You know, it's like that's a systemic, of course. Mm-hmm. It's not about us individually, but we leave it because we belong for such kind of social group. I think there's a difference between oppression and power relations. This is related, but at the same time, power relations, this depends very much on how this is realized, how this manifests itself in society. I'm not sure if it's possible to imagine like a context without power relations, because mm-hmm. when human beings with different biographies and different positions in society, etc., you have power relations present. The question is, what do you do with the situation and how do you deal with it? A society without oppression, you were asking about this. I think it's very important to have this aim of overcoming injustices, of transforming situations towards a society which is more just, less oppressive. As the ancient Greek concept of utopia, the important thing is to know which way to go. And if you arrive in this utopia, that might be an open question. But it's an orientation that helps you to know where to go. You're listening to Till Bauman there and earlier Barbara Santos, Theater of the Oppressed Facilitators, with our correspondent Senjan, on understanding systemic causes of oppression, one of the driving missions of their work. Sen talks more with her guests and later a bit of how it sounds when this unique theater modality takes place on stage when Peace Talks Radio continues right after this break.
This is Peace Talks Radio, the radio show and podcast on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, today with correspondent Sen John. Today, Sen is exploring how the modality called Theater of the Oppressed in Berlin can be used to catalyze social change through activating our collective ability to act from whatever our social positions may be. First, as what they are calling spect actors on stage of a performance, and then as citizens in the world. Senjohn's talking with theater facilitators Till Bauman, and she continues now also with Barbara Santos. One of the aims of Theater of the Oppressed is to make more visible the power relations that exist in a group. I notice that whenever the topic of power comes up in a group, that this can very quickly lead to feelings of tension, as if someone has spoken out something taboo. We all know power dynamics exist, but it makes us uncomfortable to talk about. People who feel like they have less power may feel hesitant to broach the subject for fear they may not be heard. People who have more power may not even realize they have it, or they may feel afraid they'll be seen as villains and attacked for having more power. But the aim of Theater of the Oppressed is most definitely not one of increasing the polarity between the powerful and the powerless. This is what already happens in society and media. And while emboldening and invigorating important movements like Me Too and Black Lives Matter, it's also important we don't get stuck in only perceiving power as a fixed, unidirectional flow. One important aspect of Theater of the Oppressed work is in making visible the societal structures that uphold certain power dynamics and, while giving appropriate responsibility to each actor in a system, to ultimately transcend the role of any given individual. Instead, It promotes looking at the system as a whole to understand the mechanisms of oppression, which make it more likely that one person encountering another will reproduce patterns of oppression in a less conscious way. But what we see so often happening is that people in roles of power and privilege can often feel alone, singled out, and targeted for the position they occupy, and they can feel unfairly called out for their status in society. Coming to terms with the existence of power dynamics and structures that have emerged through the accumulation of history can feel intimidating and insurmountable, and the challenge to personal belief systems can feel destabilizing. Sometimes, those in power who don't have the necessary supports to process and integrate challenges to their understanding of reality can instead react by digging in their heels even more and adopting an even more isolationist us-versus-them approach something that we've also seen as reactions to the Me Too and Black Lives Matter movements. Barbara speaks to how we can help each other to understand that these are longer-standing patterns that go beyond the individual. First, we have to understand that this understanding of this individual is a result, a systemic result too. Why? Because our society is based on individualism and everybody is convinced that everything that happened in our life is a result of individual action. The individualists understand that if you fight a lot, if you work a lot, you are going to get it. Doesn't matter from which social group you come. This is the advertisement of the system. And then we understand life like that. The meritocracy, for instance, is based on that. If you run, doesn't matter if you're a woman and you'll be pregnant and or if you'll be strong, you get there. 
Doesn't matter if you are black. Doesn't matter your social class. Eh? Capitalism also sell this advertisement for us. But in reality, it's so difficult when you believe that individually the things can be solved, that you see the reality as systemic. When we want to work with theater, we insist and we underlie a lot in our work the social vision, what we call social context. You cannot understand you and your particular position if you not have an idea of the social context. The way of helping this individual to understand what his position in the society is showing the big picture for him is the only way. Because if I just show the individual picture, this is about you, mm-hmm. this person is not able to understand because... Mm-hmm. He thinks about himself. I am a good person. Mm-hmm. I pay my taxes. I respect the people. You know, mm-hmm. it's not my guilt. You know, if I take this example for my reality as a black woman in Brazil, what the slavery was a really strong part of our history. Sometimes we have to say, ah, you, a white male, that you are from the middle class or you are from upper class. This situation that you have right now is connected with our history. Why the black people in our society has so much disadvantage and the white people have so much advantage? This is connected with our history. As you've said, it's very easy to recognize when you are in the position of being oppressed and you're the person who's uh, struggled through not having privilege while watching other people have the privilege. So the situation of slavery in Brazil and, and of slavery in the United States, this is something that can be really clearly pinpointed as the source of a lot of oppression that still continues today. What if you're working with a group that's still starting to recognize or wake up to the fact that they've been oppressed. Maybe they haven't received that education in history. Maybe they're still, I don't know if the word denial is there appropriate, but when you're working with people who you know might not see that yet in themselves. For me, it's a part of the same process that we told about people did not recognize their position. This happened also with oppressed people. Some people don't understand that what they are facing is a result of social condition. Some really oppressed people would say, no, 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 this is my destiny. This is my karma. People is convinced that this, this is not related with the social history or the social context. And the system really feeds this ignorance because it's a big advantage. If each one of us just think about each one of us, as what happened with me is because of me. You know, this is like a big advantage. And also we don't connect each other. We don't need to connect each other because, you know, this is not going to change anything because this is my destiny. And then this ignorance is not happened with the people in the position of the oppressors group. The oppressed groups also has the consequence of this kind of socialization, you know, that believe in individualism, believe in the justification for our situation. We cannot open the eyes of others. This is also illusion and this is also arrogance. We can open our eyes in the relation of each other. I cannot open your eyes. I cannot force you to see something that you don't want to see. What we can do together is try to open space of questioning, of asking ourselves why this happened, what's the reason of that, 
And then we both has to be open to investigate the possibilities. If you are closed, if you don't want to see, because sometimes people don't want to see, it's not because they are against us. It's because they are afraid to see. I don't want to see. It's better that I believe that God wanted this for me. Then I start to think I could change it. You know, it's better for me. Mm -hmm. And then I cannot open the eyes of this person. What we can do in interaction is helping each other to see reality if we want to see. I have to have the position not as your teacher, but I can be in the position that we both can question in reality and that we both can just ask ourselves, this could be different. You know, doubt is really important in our world. Doubting. This looks like that. Really? But looks like meaning that this is that? Our work is about bringing question. Our work is about doubting reality. Our work is saying like what I see is really what I see. Why I see this in this perspective? Uh, maybe because my previous socialization just let me see part of that. Don't let me see the whole picture. See is not automatically, it's not something easy, it's like here. Till describes what he's seen in his work when it comes to people beginning to recognize that they are implicated in systems of oppression in the roles of either the oppressed, the oppressors, or sometimes both at the same time. Often what happens in the theater of the oppressed workshops is there's, there's this step of becoming conscious of oppressions. And I think it's very crucial, this moment, and also very, very sensitive. And it needs a lot of trust. It needs a lot of um, connection in the group. And for me, this connection between the people in the group yeah, that we work with is really the central issue, the key, the key point, because if people feel connected and feel the trust with the others and don't feel alone and isolated with the situation or with the topic also, it's very different. This creates a lot of possibilities. Till continues with the importance of collective support as we reckon with what it means to have participated in oppressive power dynamics and how we can be supportive to all the actors involved in these stories by demonstrating our willingness to examine ourselves and what roles we may be playing in the system. For me, it's a possibility to come together, not be alone with the situation of having a certain role in society and also receiving criticism, often for good reasons, yeah be able also to process this together with other persons that might have similar stories of socialization. And I think this would be one of the answers for me, that Theater Depressed can create settings where people don't stay isolated when mm -hmm. they start reflecting their own privileged place in society as males or as white males, for mm -hmm. example. And this is why it's so important how you do it. Because there's a lot of bad examples also of groups of men coming together and not having like an anti-patriarchal kind of objective with what they do, but rather the idea of reaffirming machism. And the important thing for me in the theater of the oppressed approach on masculinities is that the base is anti-patriarchal, anti-sexist. So we have here on stage a forum theater play that brings several questions. And afterwards, we are going to come together to understand these questions or maybe find some alternatives. Okay? So. Action! Ah, as much as I love the medium of audio, 
it still presents some limitations when it comes to transmitting a multimedia experience. While I can't physically transport you from where you are straight into the live audience, I can give you some impressions of what it's like to be there with us in Berlin. Like any kind of evolutionary progress, the paths toward a more just society are manifold. This is why the work in Theater of the Oppressed is to provoke dialogue and engagement about issues and not to claim answers. Our role as the performers is to pose a question to the audience with the intention of generating a diversity of answers which enrich our collective understanding of the problem. But before we invite you on stage, ready to intervene in the story, we first need to check that the question we posed has been understood how we intended it. Once the first part of the performance is finished, the Kuringa steps out to canvas the audience for how they understood this offer. How do you understand? What is the questions that you understand from that? What is it about? How you can stop hatred. Depends of, is it love or is it power? Very populistic. It's about the polarization of society and the world. It's religion. So now we see the complexity yeah, of that. We ask our audience how they understood our question, from which place they understood, because maybe they didn't understand from the same place like us. For instance, if I am a group of only women on stage and the audience is mixed audience in the gender perspective, Probably the audience has different views, and then we want also consider their perspective. But it's important for us to understand how they understood to start the dialogue. And then what we want with this dialogue is first come for an agreement that we both understand this is a problem. Because if the audience didn't understand it as a problem, we have nothing to do together. But when we both understand that in our piece of theater has some problem, the second question is, if you identify it as a problem, let's talk about how to overcome it, how to be strategic. And then we really want that the audience understand that we don't ask them to be hero, to come with amazing solution, individual solution. No, no, no. We have to come together and think strategically and come on stage to share this idea. We know that solution is not the aim. We know solution is something really complex too, needs time. But we are much more interested in the strategic and then we analyze this. It's really important first, the audience identify this problem as something that they have interest. If they identify the problem and have interest, they probably go for the next step to think about how to deal with this problem. It's not only about showing the problem, showing the injustice, showing the oppression, but it's about inviting proposals, ideas, suggestions of transformation. We always say that forum theater is like a question, not to receive one answer, but it opens 
for many different answers that come from the audience in this dialogic process. And that forum theater gives you the possibility to question the status quo is absolutely central, not by knowing the answers already, but really by asking an open question. And this is a really fascinating process because you just often don't know what will come from the audience, no? what kind of ideas. And what I like very much is this term that Auguste Boal used, which is the spect actors. There's not anymore this difference between the actors on stage and the spectators in the audience, but you only have this sort of mix of spect actors, which is people acting on stage and people in the audience that have the possibility to come to liberate themselves from their passivity as spectators and become spect actors. And in English, you have this wonderful word to act, which includes several aspects. One aspect would be to act on stage, you know, to be an actor on stage, but the other aspect is to act to act in, in, on stage in real life, to act transforming society. You know? And when you act on stage as a spect actor, this always has a relevance also. It can inspire you also, it can motivate you, it can encourage you to act in society, transforming society. Well said, it's like a rehearsal for revolution. Yeah? It's not the revolution, <laughs> it's a rehearsal. I still think it can be a space for rehearsing strategies, rehearsing possible transformations and evaluating this, not discussing this, analyzing this. Because this focus on acting in society is so important, and indeed what Theatre of the Oppressed hopes to activate in its audience, a few of the participants from the course wanted to add their perspectives on why the forum part of Theatre of the Oppressed is such a vital step to taking a performance off stage and into the world to catalyze real social change. My name is Simon, I'm 29 years old. It's not we are the actors performing something and the audience is consuming the play, but it's about the dialogue and we trigger the dialogue. We invite the audience to enter in this dialogue and it's a circular process. It's us in a laboratory, a space that we open with our play and creating this space where I, as well as Simon, can learn every time that we play a forum, learn something new where I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful to what's the people that showed me this perspective that I didn't have before. And that's for me a completely different way of understanding theater, not as entertainment, but as a dialogue where we, we think about together on things as responsibility, society, ethics. And that's very powerful to me. My name is Rania, I'm 34 years old, and this is the core, one of the core ideas of Theatre of the Rest is to like shake and deconstruct the idea of the passive spectator. Come to the stage and practice the change that you think or claim you know and understand from your position, very armchair position in the audience. Come to the play and challenge yourself and challenge your ideas. I'm Frida. I'm 32. Our workshop is an open stage. The work offers you on-stage tickets to become an acting part of the community. Anytime you want to, you can get on stage. My name is Clau. I am 29, I'm soon to be 30. <laughs> so when we look at an image or a scene, we must remain open to all the meanings that are brought by everyone and uh, give up the urge to say that these are improper or they're incorrect just because they're not in line with what we initially thought. 
And for me, this openness to the meanings that are brought by others and the ability to build critically and collectively from what is being said by other members of the group is what I find really unique in the theater of the oppressed. But we are also asked when we present these images to an audience to renounce like a sense of mastery over this aesthetic creation. So I think that the challenge and opportunity that the theater of the oppressed opens is that of renouncing not only to mastery, but also, I guess, to an ideal of correctness. There's a revelation of the fragile and porous boundary that divide between like actor and spectator and how artificial that division is because as you talk about the experience of the actor you inevitably then start to also reflect on your position as a spectator or as an observer to what is brought by other audience members by other uh, spect actors this attempt to break this division between who acts and listens. That was Theater of the Oppressed participant Clow speaking with our correspondent Senjan about what it's like to be on stage and in the audience during one of these Theater of the Oppressed performances that involves the audience and invites them to change things up on stage themselves. Sen offers up something of an immersive experience of how all that sounds when our program continues after this short break. listening to Peace Talks Radio, the radio series and podcast on peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution. I'm series producer Paul Ingalls, today with Senjan. You can find all of our episodes dating back to 2002 at peacetalksradio.com. Activism can seem like arduous work, particularly for those who have committed their entire lives to a cause. But this certainly isn't always the case. Activism can be accessible to anyone at any stage of their lives with a plentitude of entry points available. And one of these entry points is this method called Theater of the Oppressed and a participative way of performing a play called Forum Theater that we're looking at today. Our correspondent, San John, has been talking with participants and theater facilitators Barbara Santos and Till Bauman. Here again is San John. Let's head back to the theater. You've just observed from your seats in the audience a performance depicting a scene of oppression and heard some interpretations from your co-audience members of what this seemed to be all about. Now, the Coringa has another invitation for you. We are invited you just to get to know your neighbors and exchange ideas with your neighbors. What would be possible, which kind of strategy you would imagine to, in any moment to use here to try out new possibilities? We are looking for collective strategies. 
because we know that it's not about individual solutions, but collective solutions. As member of different societies, what you could imagine that know this kind of situation, what we can do as a society? Get to know your neighbors, nice people. Then, the most exciting part of the evening begins when the audience tells us at which point in the story they want to step in and change something. Some possibilities, some ideas, and then which moment do you think could be try out? Because we want now exercise. I want to come for the concrete action. When you come on stage, which moment? This is the question, how to wake up the others. This is exactly the question, how to do. Yeah? Let's go, people. And then sometimes say, let's go, and you are alone there. We have to have some strategy for don't go alone. So, how does all this rehearsal for revolution lead to the concrete changes we want to see in society? We return to participant and actor Rania for her take. The first word that comes to my mind is possibilities. I would like to just emphasize that there are different possibilities and scenarios for one's life than the scenario that we've been taught. Because I live this experience as a woman, I need to do da 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 and live my life this way, and there is no other scenario, and this is the successful scenario. And when I started questioning that, there is another way out of the situation that I've gone through or I might be facing in the future. If the person can just have this inner voice, confident voice saying, okay, there is another possibility for our life, another possibility for our ending. There are a lot of social change on a larger scale gonna follow because it starts from the individual because eventually working on the individual part gonna impact the collective. And I've seen through my work how the community can heal itself and healing goes hand in hand with change. If I cannot find another possibility for my life, why am I questioning another possibility for the whole community? Once the individual can view their life as complete, their ability to change their surroundings is near the impossible because they can see themselves and the environment as a complete process. Nothing gonna happen. This is how it is. But if the person can see themselves as incomplete being, that there is another possibility for their lives, they can view the world as incomplete as well, and this open up the space for change. Because the world is not complete, or ending is not written. This means that we can write differently every single day by our own actions and our own decisions. Continuing this idea of generating alternative futures, Simon also contributes how his social activism work has been changed by his involvement in theater of the oppressed. What I think this method can give to social movement work is this lab character, that we are able to create an open space where we can try out innovative strategies, where we can think outside the box, where we can work on new patterns of taking responsibility. And that is something that I think we really, really need in social movements because we have this functional logic where we think, okay, this is the problem. We have to work in the most effective way to solve it. And we are not really able to create something new, a new vision, a new version of what we want 
because we are so into functioning against what we want to fight against. And I like this playful way of trying out it is possible to fail and learn from it that we are lacking so much. And I also really like how Theater of the Oppressed brings together this focus on, on power structures on the outset and how we can work on them, but also how this can mean very concrete practices in, in my daily lives. And I think what social movements try to do on a big scale, Theater of the Oppressed is able to bring closer to myself or to us and to really feel it, what we are doing and to see, okay, where is my concrete responsibility? The two together, like social movement work with the spaces of dialogue um, and innovation through theater of the oppressed can be a very powerful mix. And what is also for me a very powerful perspective that opens through theater of the oppressed is that we aren't able to, to overcome oppression if we focus on the oppressor. We have to intervene and take responsibility in a much earlier point of the process and also not in this direct confrontation, but see where we can build networks of solidarity, of relationship, of sticking together to create something new instead of sticking to the fight with the oppressor all the time. The supportive role of this theater work is something Klaus speaks to as well. I think that the theater of the oppressed ultimately is a great companion to activist work. And I think that perhaps differently from other actions that I've done, the theater of the oppressed privileges aesthetics and theatricality as a means uh, not only to spread messages for planting seeds so that we may all work through the questions that it raises, but also perhaps more importantly, the difference is that it opens the possibility of rehearsing for revolution. To put it in other words, I think that the theater of the oppressed enables us to try things out on stage, to try things out in a safe space together and to imagine new possibilities and how then we can bring these new possibilities, these new opportunities into marches, into squares, into protests, into schools, families, relationships, and bring the change that we are looking for. So it's kind of a practicing tool or a practicing space where we can make mistakes because we are not actually already, for example, in the street or at a protest mm -hmm. or having that conversation with, I don't know, someone we love and we are safe to make mistakes knowing that struggles for social justice are necessarily ongoing, that they are a process. And yeah, the justice is a process. It's an action. The kind of change that I personally hope to catalyze is one that will enable us to challenge all of those normativities that continue to be imposed on our bodies, shaping our lives and our ways of relating. One of the things that the theater of the oppressed changed the most, both in the way in which I approach activism, but also how I live my life or interact with people, is that I've learned more about the importance of questions and how the way in which we ask questions or we are being asked questions as well, represents both an opening or a closing to the kind of dialogues and actions that are made possible. It starts from this idea of the fact that we need to work with genuine questions, that if we are struggling against an oppressive system, we don't know the answer. We are generally asking people what ideas 
do they have to find these alternatives that we were talking about, but also that we have responsibility as activists, as practitioners, as people who inhabit this world to uh, really think about carefully of the questions that we ask, because questions can be incredibly loaded and they can reflect so much of our assumptions. And sometimes we just need to acknowledge the fact that each of us has their unique views about the world. So we need to acknowledge that we are working with some assumptions, some preconceived ideas, so that our questions will never be neutral, but we need to devise them in a way in which they are genuine and they represent an opening for me and not a closing. Mm. Also, like activism, I think, the work doesn't finish with the performance or with a march or with a process, but that we must continually like work through these questions and bring them in our daily life where we cannot just simply observe, but we also have to act. While Simon and Clow talked about how the work in Theatre of the Oppressed opened up possibilities for them in their work as social activists, Rania spoke to the central importance of the body and the changes that she's noticed in herself. My relationship with my body has transformed completely since I started navigating through the world of Theatre of the Oppressed. And this affects so much how I even make decisions how I interact with my surroundings, how am I present and grounded as a professional, how I connect to my fears and my inner voices and my ability to re-examine my intention as a, uh, as a practitioner and as a social worker, to just be in constant questioning, re-examination for my decisions and my power, my privilege. Because once I have a group of people and they trust me, I'm a privileged person mm-hmm. and I've got power. And if I'm not aware <laughs> and I'm not ready for this re-examination that at some point becomes painful process, I might abuse the power, even without me knowing that I'm doing so. So the main change this theater of the press method helped me to do is uh, to re-examine my power, engage with my intention on a daily basis, to connect with my body and allow it to be a navigator sometime for some decisions and some connections. Trust it. The theater of the press is a lot about embodiment, is uh, to revive and enrich your connection to your body. So there is no much talking. (laughs) Your body talk. Um, It uses one of the most important resources that humans have been given, which is their bodies. It poses the body as the entry point for the whole process. Uh, So you start connecting with your body, with your ideas, with your emotions, and then go out a little bit to establish this relationship with your body and other bodies and then with the environment and then the process go on. So not every modality when it comes to, or or method, when it comes to social change employs the body as theater of the oppressed employs the body. I think it's interesting questions around the body. This theatrical practice was initially thought by Augusto Boal that the first world in the vocabulary of theater is the human body. So we need to start with that. And through, I think, what he calls a process of demachinization, because like we are so stuck in our bodies in the ways that we are both being taught to be in. For example, according to our gender, but also on 
all of those other normativities that are being projected onto our bodies. He was very interested, I think, in questions around class and, and work and labor. So also the kind of jobs that we do kind of mold and shape our bodies in ways that then tend to become stuck in those configurations. So I think one of the great things of this theatrical practice is also to try to let go, unlearn and confuse our bodies so that more possibilities are open in our work that is both with our body but also with the bodies of others. So we thank you so much for this great So I've just upended your quiet evening at the theater, enjoying a carefully crafted play, and turned it into one where you're roused out of your seat, get onto stage, and bring half the audience with you to rehearse for revolution. Maybe not what you expected your night to look like, but I promise you, you'll remember this night as the one where you transformed from a passive consumer of stories to an engaged spectator pushing social change forward. All this sounds amazingly fun. And though Theatre of the Oppressed is quickly growing as a modality around the world and has been since the 60s, how can you get involved in it if there's not a production or workshop happening in your area? What we do a lot in Coringa, and I know that other colleagues also do this in other places of the world, is to, to work with multiplication. So if there's a group of people in a place where there's no forum theatre, for example, yet, uh, it's not that these 20 people have to travel and participate in a workshop that is far away, but maybe one person or two can be part of a qualification, of a workshop, of a course, and then multiply. In a way, this is how forum theatre has spread a lot also around the world, on all the five continents and then more than 60 countries. The practical experience of having participated in the workshops, having seen a forum theatre presentation, being physically present or even on stage, this is probably the best way to get to know it. But if this is impossible, then there's ways of reading, there's ways of watching, and there's ways of, of being in contact with persons that work with theatre the oppressed in different parts of the world. I think what we are looking for transformation. Transformation have different tools. Depend of the situation, one tool we have more results than other. Sometimes people come together to talk, and that's really useful because talking is all empowerment. It's all understandable. Yeah. Sometimes people go together and make a demonstration outside. It's also an event, not going to change things, but maybe start a process. Maybe people do a kind of theater together, don't need to be exactly foreign theaters. Now, foreign theater was a kind of tool that come from other ways of theater. And we have a several ways. And has people that even don't do theater, they, they, they paint things, that the paint was also something that can empower others. So we have several ways of doing. I would say for people that maybe they are doing theater, but they don't know to do foreign theater, but they want to make that theater more engaged in something. What I always advise is make alliances, come together with other groups. Maybe I don't know something, but I want to talk about the topic. Don't just talk about the topic, investigate the topic too. Maybe you can go for a group of people that already work with this topic. Maybe they don't do theater, but, but they are developing this discussion. Don't imagine that you have to do the whole work alone. It's not that. It's, you can even search on the internet. Have a lot of groups that are doing different kind of theater that is engaged in some topic. And then you have plenty of opportunity to see plays and examples and books. You know, we have several things that we can search and get to know before we start our own work. And maybe I'm not going to do forum, but I, I can be inspired 
of that. I do some steps that I feel comfortable. Yeah, it's like I, I, I can present my piece and afterwards talk with the audience. I, I don't know to do the forum, but I can have a conversation with the audience. Yes. I can do different things. It's like we have many possibilities to address problems, to developing piece of arts and come together with other people. This may have been a program primarily focusing on the modality of theater of the oppressed, but getting involved in any kind of change you want to see in the world is activism, and that can be accessible from many entry points. Maybe you have your own way of maneuvering, getting on stage. How do you want to be part of this? How would you like to contribute to this project if you feel comfortable just cooking something or bringing coffee and having a break with everyone who's building, then that's enough of a contribution to get in touch. And then slowly this contribution or this participation can become bigger, but already getting in touch with those who are changing something, who are appropriating the space is the first step. That was Frida, one of the participants in Berlin's Theater of the Oppressed, talking with our correspondent Senjan. You also heard the voices of other participants, Simon, Clau, and Rania, as well as Theater of the Oppressed facilitators Barbara Santos and Till Bauman, all talking about this transformative theater process that they take part in and how activism can be for anyone with a body. If you missed part of our episode today, you can hear the whole thing at our website, peacetalksradio.com. That's peacetalksradio.com, where you can also hear the entire interviews with all of our guests. That's peacetalksradio.com, and look for the February 2023 episode. That's also where you can go to hear all the programs in our series dating back to 2002, hundreds of them. See photos of our guests, read and share transcripts, sign up for our podcast, and importantly, where to go to make a donation to keep this program going on into the future. It's all at peacetalksradio.com. Thanks to the over 85 outlets in 25 states that carry our program. Whichever one of them you might be hearing us on, do support them as well. And importantly, let them know that you appreciate that they are protecting this broadcast space to conversation and storytelling about peacemaking and nonviolent conflict resolution in these times when such conversation is so desperately needed. Let them know. Our executive director at Good Radio Shows Incorporated is Nola Daves-Moses. Ali Adelman composed and performs our theme music. For Senjan and all of us here, I'm Paul Ingalls. Thanks to you for listening to and for supporting Peace Talks Radio.